Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports. Pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of, they have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Well, so again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. College football analyst for Pro Football Focus and the host of Preferred Walk-On, our good friend Max Chadwick. He joins the show to talk all things SEC, college football, everything in between. Max, what's going on, my man? Appreciate you taking the time. Of course, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. 
So, Max, first, for those who may have never heard of you or they have not followed you, tell folks about yourself. Again, you've been with Pro Football Focus on the college side of things, which I think everybody tuning to this is familiar with Pro Football Focus. And also, you've got a fantastic show, Preferred Walk-On, which is a ton of fun. You guys do a lot on social media. So just let the folks know. Take a moment to plug yourself, Max. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been PFS College Football Analyst for a couple of years now, uh, which has honestly been a dream come true. It's the company I've always wanted to work for. It's the job I've always wanted to do. Uh, so it's been amazing, man. And yeah, we started that show preferred walk on last year, uh, interviewing a ton of top players, uh, doing episodes in the NFL draft, doing episodes, obviously on college football and around college football. Uh, so yeah, you can find preferred walk on where you get your podcast also on YouTube as well. And then uh, all my articles are available uh, at PFF.com as well. I'm kind of doing kind of top 10 players at every position right now uh, that I'm, a lot of people uh, have disagreed with uh, on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, if you want to check those out, you can check them out at PFF.com. Max, why do you think PFF catches so much heat for stuff like that? And and why? Why? Because it's almost kind of one of those things where it's like, if you want to argue, argue with science. Because I know there's a lot of formulas that you guys – and you're just really plugging in numbers and – that leads me to, though, like, how much of it for you when you rank players, grade players, talk about players and teams, et cetera, you have the numbers there, but how much does eye test go into that? Because I feel like sometimes the numbers can say one thing, but with your eyes, we see something different. Yeah, uh, you have to watch tape. You know, it's not possible for me to do my job without watching these players. And listen, our grades and our our numbers are extremely valuable, and they're kind of the backbone of everything that you do at PFF. Um, but you also have to be able to watch these guys and know exactly what they do well and what they don't do well. So, you know, that's something that I've had to do with my rankings of these players because it's not just the ranking the top 10 players at every position based off of how they were graded. Because if they were – um, then you would see a lot of group of five players, uh, Sunbelt players be like number one and two because they graded out super highly. But, you know, are, are their grades equal to that of an SEC player? That's something I have to take into account. So, um, yeah, obviously PFF is a little controversial sometimes, especially uh, in the NFL side of things I know. Um, I know people don't love the fact that we try to grade every player and every play and every game. Um, but I also think that our metrics – are a better indicator of what players are actually doing uh, well and what they're actually doing poorly than any box score number would indicate, honestly. So, uh, yeah, again, we're controversial. I understand that for some people, but uh, I do think it's a very, very valuable tool as well. So, Max, you mentioned you're you're doing grades right now, top 10 grades. Let's talk SEC players specifically, and if you want to target in on zeroing in on one position or – the entire SEC, I'm just curious, the top graded players in the SEC coming into the 2024 season, where does that take you? Who, if you just want to name off a few, who are those guys that are at the very top of the SEC when it comes to PFF's grades? Again, I think a couple we could probably think of off the top of our head, but are there any surprises there, or is it pretty much as you'd expect the top of the league? Yeah, honestly, it's a really good league, obviously. You know, it's not a surprise considering SEC is always, you know, one of the top conferences, if not the top conference in college football. And, yeah, as of right now, my, my number one quarterback entering next year is Carson Beck from Georgia. Uh, I think he was phenomenal this past season. I actually wrote in that article, I said it's kind of rare for a program to lose a two-time national championship winning quarterback in Stetson Bennett 
and they actually improve under center. And that's exactly what Georgia did. Honestly, I know Carson Beck didn't win a national title like Stetson Bennett did the last two years, but I still think he was an upgrade for Georgia uh, at quarterback. And he's phenomenal this past season. I think he's going to be the top quarterback next year. Um, some really good other SEC quarterbacks. I think Jalen Moreau is really underrated still. I think he with Kalen DeBoer is going to be a really exciting pairing. Uh, obviously, Quinn Ewer is coming in. Uh, Jackson Dart as well. Brady Cook had a really good year. Um, then you look at the other, you know, other positions like receiver. Luther Burden the third is a top receiver uh, in college football, in my opinion. So he's my number one receiver. I, I came out that already. Will Campbell, LSU's left tackle, is a superstar. Uh, Parker Brailsford, the center from Alabama, will be my number one uh, interior offensive lineman. There's a lot of really, really good SEC. I mean, James Pierce Jr. I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, he's probably maybe the best defensive player in college football entering next year is a little bit of an argument with him and some other guys, but he was phenomenal for Tennessee this past season. An edge defender. He's probably going to be a top five pick in next year's draft. Uh, SEC has a lot of talented players in 2024. We shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but uh, it should be a very fun conference next year for sure. So Max, you mentioned the quarterback position, Carson Beck, again, no surprise. Talk about some of the other guys there. You mentioned Brady Cook. You mentioned Jackson Dart. What does the rest of that list looked like. And obviously, again, there's a number of new faces in the SEC, but outside of Beck, is there a large drop-off? And and what does two through maybe, say, four or five look like in the conference? Yeah, so I, I think – I don't think it's a big – honestly, I don't think it's a, a very strong position at quarterback going into next year. I think you're losing a lot of the top guys in college football. And what kind of evidence uh, points to that is that you look at – all the top quarterbacks returning to college football, they all could have declared for the NFL draft and they would have been probably second round picks or worse if they declared. So that's why it's kind of a weaker position as of right now, at least for college football next year. Uh, I do think Carson Beck is, is to me the pretty clear number one guy, uh, not only in the SEC, but in college football. Uh, and then Jalen Moreau, I, I had right behind him at number two. And Quinn Ayers and Jalen Moreau are kind of like equal, in my opinion, in terms of how good they are. And uh, I know Milro gets a lot of flack. I, I think his deep ball is phenomenal. He's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks as well. Um, Ewers was really, really good last year as well. But there's still some times where the Texas offense helped him out a lot more than other quarterbacks. Where he used a lot of RPOs, a lot of play action. And also, he played with some really, really talented receivers uh, at Texas as well. So, Quinn Ewers have to shoulder the load a little bit more next year. I'm excited to see what he could do uh, in his senior year. But Jackson Dart is another guy I really like. Again, kind of like Quinn Ewers, Ole Miss offense really helps him out. But he also has a mastery over that Lane Kiffin offense. Um, and then, yeah, Brady Cook has really took a major leap last year. Always been a really good runner. Really became a better, a lot better of a passer last year. Uh, Kirby Moore, the offensive coordinator, is coming back, which is huge. Luther Burden, I already mentioned him. He's coming back, which is another you know big get for them. And Theo Weiss is also coming back. So he should still be a really good passer uh, for Missouri next season. Another guy I really like is uh, Connor Wegman from Texas A&M. He kind of got hurt early in the season and uh, you know wasn't really able to capitalize off a promising freshman year. But he looked really good in his sophomore year before he got hurt. He could really easily become a superstar quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm excited to see what he could do for Texas A&M next year. And then another guy, uh, Nico Yamaleva from Tennessee, I think has a lot of tools as well. Um, I'm excited to see what he could do with Josh Heupel. He looked great against Iowa in the bowl game. Um, he's kind of the future for that Tennessee program. I'm excited to see what he can do as a former top 10 recruit coming out of high school in his sophomore year. And Max, you mentioned Nico, and that's where I wanted to go next. Because I know with PFF, you obviously need a sample size to create statistics and create the numbers that you guys do. But um, of the newcomers coming in, you you mentioned you know Nico taking over as QB one, and whether they're newcomers new to the school or that their first year at QB one, 
Nico with Tennessee, Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU. Blake yeah. Shapin comes from Baylor to Mississippi State. Uh, Lenoris Sellers for South Carolina. Uh, Taylor Green over at Arkansas. What do the numbers tell you when it comes to those guys? And, and are there are there maybe some of the transfers too? Are there guys that you were expecting a lot of that the numbers say that at their previous stops they were really good or, or have the potential to break out? Or like when it comes to that newcomer batch of quarterbacks, like you mentioned. Um, I think Nico's the obvious answer of who we expect to pop, but who are some of those other guys? Are there any others that the numbers reflect on them positively and you could expect them to do big things? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, obviously you mentioned that Nico is probably the guy uh, next year. That everyone's kind of looking at, expecting to have a massive season. Kind of, you know, Joe Milton the third really didn't really uh, do as well as a lot of people expected him to do. Uh, so I, I think Nico is a guy that I'm really excited about seeing next year. But yeah, like you mentioned, there are some other guys uh, in the SEC next year that people are excited about. And one of them, honestly, that I'm pretty excited to see what he can do is uh, Brock Vandegrift going to Kentucky. You know, he was a guy at Georgia sat behind Stetson Bennett for a few years, sat behind Carson Beck this past year. He was a former five-star recruit, man, and he kind of just rode the bench for three years. Uh, I was kind of surprised that Vandegrift didn't transfer sooner. Uh, usually those five-star quarterbacks, they usually would be willing to sit on the bench for one year. And then after that, it's like, okay, I got I to get out of here and, and make sure I can you know, try to get to the NFL. Vandegrift really sat on the bench for three years. Like He really could have been declaring for the NFL draft by now, but he – just wasn't able to play at all. So now he's going to a school in, in Kentucky uh, where he will be the starting quarterback. I'm excited to see what he can finally do as his former five-star quarterback uh, who really just hasn't shown anything in three years because he hasn't had the chance to yet, honestly. So um, that is one guy that I, I am excited about seeing next year and just seeing what he can actually do for them. And, but, but yeah, Garrett Nussmeyer is another guy who I, I really has show, think has shown a lot of promise uh, in, his, in his tenure. Of course, the uh, concerns are, LSU is losing a lot offensively. Malik Neighbors is gone. Brian Thomas Jr. is gone. Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator, is gone as well as going to Notre Dame. Um, so they lose a lot offensively, but I, I'm still excited to see what Garrett Nussmeyer could do. But uh, yeah, I would say Brock Vandegrift's the one guy I'm really, really keeping an eye on. Garrett Nussmeyer should have another great year. And obviously, Nico uh, should be the guy that is kind of the breakout star in college football next year, in my opinion. Max, you mentioned LSU. That LSU defense last year, has there ever been a defense that graded worse on PFF <laughs> than that one? I, I I find it hard to believe so because that was probably the worst defense in LSU history. Yeah. Dude, it was so bad. And I, that's why I, I thought Jaden Daniels was the clear Heisman Trophy winner, and I'm very happy he won it, honestly. 
Um, I, I thought it was one of the best Heisman years we've had in recent memory. The reason why people were so down on it was because LSU went nine and three that year. But I keep reminding people like, dude, those three losses, they averaged 47 allowed points per game. Like they were letting up nearly 50 points per game in those three losses. So that's not on Jaden Daniels at all. It's kind of like the USC effect the last few years where USC's got this unbelievable. LSU had the best offense in college football this past season and still went nine and three. That just shows you how bad uh, that defense was. And LSU had you know, a quarterback is going to go in the top five of the NFL draft this year, probably. League neighbors also might be a top five pick. And then Brian Thomas Jr. is going to be a first round pick as well. Uh, and then next year, Will Campbell, in my opinion, is the best left, is best offensive tackle in college football and will be a top five to 10 pick probably too in 2025. So they had serious, serious talent offensively and still went nine and three. So hopefully it should be better now. Hopefully Harold Perkins will actually be used correctly. They kind of played him as an off ball linebacker this past year when I don't really think that's the best way to use him. I think you got to use him kind of like a Micah Parsons where he's kind of rushing the passer instead of playing in coverage. Um, so I, I think Harold Perkins will hopefully be used better by, by Blake Baker, the new defensive coordinator there, but yeah, the defense has to be better for LSU, especially when the offense could be taking a step back, obviously with losing so many superstars on that offense side of the ball. Max sticking with quarterbacks. I want to zero in on a guy specifically Peyton Thorne at Auburn. I'm not a Peyton Thorne guy. I was stunned that Hugh Freeze did not go out and get a quarterback from the transfer portal, get somebody else. You watch Peyton Thorne last year. It felt like every time he played a defense with a pulse, he faltered. Do the numbers reflect that, or am I being too harsh on Peyton Thorne? No, I, I I think you're right. I think Peyton Thorne, he was a guy that, you know, at Michigan State was just this really, especially in 2021, uh, when they had the kind of that breakout year. He's a really solid quarterback for them. He kind of was a game manager. Uh, he kind of got relied on to do a lot. He's a really good runner of the football. I'm not going to be wrong for Auburn. But uh, as a passer, you're right. He only had a 64.3 passing grade this past season. Um, I will say one thing that I'm still kind of eyeing right now is Jordan McLeod, uh, James Madison's quarterback, is still available in the transfer portal. And, and a lot of smoke has been that Auburn is a school to watch for him. So I don't think it's out of the cards yet that uh, they might still go out and get a guy in the portal and a guy like Jordan McLeod, who again, coming from the Sun Belt and James Madison, but he did play really well for James Madison. So I, I'm not saying they are going to go get him. Um, he's still, again, he's still uh, available. He's been available in the portal for a couple months now, honestly, which is pretty surprising. Uh, but he's a guy that Auburn has been talked about for, and maybe could be the guy they get in the portal. But if not, yeah, it does sound like Peyton Thorne will be the guy again next year, especially with Robbie Ashford uh, transferring to South Carolina to compete with Lenora Sellers. Uh, if they don't go out and get Jordan McLeod or another guy who enters the portal maybe later on this offseason, uh, yeah, it does sound like Peyton Thorne will be the guy next year, which kind of does you know, sour your outlook for uh, Auburn a little bit going into 2024. So, Max, I'm sure the numbers point to this, and I'll ask you point blank. Is Georgia the team to beat in 2024? Yes. Yeah, I think I think they are, especially in the SEC. They, I think they are. I do think – I had the number one my up in my way-too-early ranking. I do think Ohio State is a super close second. In fact, if you ask me to make a national championship prediction right now, I might pick Ohio State to win it all with how loaded that roster is. But Georgia has some really, really talented players. Obviously, you mentioned already – best quarterback in the country in Carson Beck. They went out and got Trevor Etienne in the portal, which I think was a big, big get. Um, they got Benjamin Urasek from Stanford, the tight end, who I think is a top five tight end in the country. Um, they should still have a, a really good offensive line, especially on the interior with Tate Ratledge kind of anchoring it. They got some really good defensive players as well, especially Malachi Starks, uh, who's one of the best safeties in the country. 
Yeah, I don't think it's it's not a clear number one team in the country right now, in my opinion. Uh, but I think there's a pretty clear top two or top three, depending on how you how much you like Oregon too. Uh, but I would say Georgia is right now a slight favorite for me to be number one. But uh, Ohio State is right there with them, in my opinion, too. How do you think Texas and Oklahoma fit into the new SEC? Uh, Texas obviously coming off that college football playoff appearance. Oklahoma coming off a 10-win season. Uh, ugly loss in the bowl game, but I mean, again, bowl games are bowl games. You had Jackson Arnold starting in that game for Dylan Gabriel. Uh, new quarterback, really a makeshift offensive line or a retooled offensive line, I should say, for the for the Sooners. Uh, Texas and OU, your outlooks, your projections for how those two teams fare in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, I think Texas, uh, I think they're both going to be really good. I think they're, they both were top 20 teams, my updated ranking. Uh, Texas, I had it all the way up at number four, so I expect them to be still a legitimate national title contender next year, and it all starts with Quinn Ewers coming back to school, honestly. Uh, he's a top five quarterback in the country. He has all the tools to be even higher than that. Um, they they do lose some pieces, like I mentioned before, but they also bring in some talented players in the transfer portal, especially Isaiah Bond, uh, the speedy receiver from Alabama. He should be Quinn Ewers' his kind of new top target at Texas this year, especially with his big arm combined with uh, his bond speed. It should be really, really fun uh, in that offense. And then defensively, they got some uh, interesting pieces on that defense as well. Andrew Makuba, the former Clemson corner slash safety, whatever you want to call him, he transfers in. They got some really exciting young players on that defensive side of the ball too. So I think Texas is still a national title contender next year, and especially is a probably the second best team in the SEC, I would say, behind Georgia right now. Oklahoma, uh, they're a top 20 team. Maybe if they have a really great year, they could sneak into the playoff as one of the you know seven um teams that at large teams but yeah they got a new quarterback in jackson arnold they lose some key players as well dylan gabriel they lost who i really like dylan gabriel a lot but um they should still have an exciting outlook for next year with jackson arnold as a former top 10 recruit and a guy like nico um you're expecting big things out of as a former top 10 recruit in his sophomore year so uh oklahoma i'm a little bit lower on the texas obviously but I still think Oklahoma is going to be a really quality team next year. So, so still be like a top 20-ish team in college football, honestly. Sam Pittman at Arkansas, Billy Napier at Florida, Max. That's a pair of coaches that enter the 2024 season with their seats. Let's call it what it is, scorching. Which of those two would you say is more likely to make it to 2025? Oh, man. Uh, I don't think either are likely, but I will probably give the edge to Sam Pittman only because I think the Florida expectations are so high and Florida's schedule next year is brutal, man. I mean, they play uh, every SEC team schedule is brutal when you play in the best conference in college football, honestly, but Florida, especially, man, they play some really, really quality teams. Uh, I believe I think like seven or so teams that are in my top 25 or something close to that. Uh, so if they lose all those games, and that's a five and seven year right there, honestly, I I don't know what the minimum record will be for Billy Napier to keep his job. Uh, it might be like a seven and five, eight and four type of year. And, and just looking at that schedule and what Florida has coming back, I just I don't know if that is really in the cards for them. So uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for Billy Napier to win enough games, I think, in 2024 to keep his job. They do have a, a really – the number one quarterback in the country coming in in DJ Lagway, who maybe, you know, Florida decision makers will say, okay, we'll give Billy Napier a little bit of time to develop that kid and see what he can do with him. But I don't even know if they will do that, honestly, because if, if he goes 5-7 and seven or even worse uh, this year, I, that I don't think will be good enough for him to keep his job in, uh, in 2025. 
Max, let's talk Shane Beamer's South Carolina program. What do you make of them? Uh, popped off in year two, right? Overachieved in year one, popped off in year two with eight wins. Those back-to-back top 10 wins, end of season, Tennessee, Clemson. Took a step back last year with Spencer Rattler, who I'm sure the PFF grades for him, for Xavier Leggett, like the numbers were fantastic, and it did not match what that team necessarily it felt like was doing on the field, going five and seven, missing a bowl game. Now you go into year four, right? I think for the first time ever, Shane Beamer's seat, starting to feel some pressure, starting to warm up a bit. What do you make of Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks, especially in a new-look SEC with Texas and OU and a brand-new quarterback in Lenora Sellers? Yeah, I think it's a big year for Shane Beamer. I, I do like Shane Beamer, uh, but you mentioned it was a very disappointing year this past season, and and I think um, – you know, something like that Spencer Rattler, uh, he did improve this past season, which is funny enough because, like, when they went 8-4, I didn't really think Rattler played that well. I thought he played a lot better this year, and they went 5-7. and seven. Uh, So what that tells you is the kind of supporting cast for Rattler this past year wasn't great. Uh, I know Xavier Leggett's a really talented player. He's going to be a second-round pick probably. But they lost Juice Wells uh, basically for the entire season with that foot injury. Now he's over at Ole Miss now. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough with, with the new quarterback in Lenore Sellers. Some new faces on on both sides of the ball too. They got some exciting recruits. I know they, they brought in a few five stars over the last couple of years, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big year for Shane Beamer. I don't know how much of the hot on the hot seat he is. If if they have another really bad year, maybe he would get fired. Um, but it, it is definitely a, a major year for Shane Beamer, and he has to prove a lot, honestly, in twenty twenty four. Now, I'm sure at PFF, you guys do head coaching grades and grade coordinators and grade coaching staffs and stuff like that. So we'll ask you about the new head coaches in the SEC. Uh, we mentioned Kalen DeBoer at Oklahoma. You can talk about him. But uh, Jeff Levy at Mississippi State, Mike Elko at Texas A&M, and then, of course, DeBoer. Your thoughts on the new head coaches, each of those gentlemen individually, the fits, and how you think they're going to fare at their new schools? Yeah, honestly, I, I really like – all three of them, honestly. I, I think the big one, obviously, is DeBoer. And anytime you're replacing Nick Saban, like, that's a tall task. But um, he would have been probably my second option for Alabama to go after. I think Dan Lanning would have been my top choice. It sounded like Dan Lanning turned that down. Um, so after that, I would have gone after Kellen DeBoer. I mean, he's a proven winner. I think he's only lost 12 games as a head coach in his career, dating back to his time at uh, obviously Washington, Fresno State, and Sioux Falls too. It's like D two school, so this, he's like a hundred and four and twelve record. So he's a winner, man. Um, he's got to recruit at a high level. He's got to keep players at a high level. I think that's what Nick Saban did so well. Is that not only is a terrific coach, he also was one of the best recruiters we've ever seen in college football. DeBoer's got to do that, and he, he's shown signs that he will do that a little bit. Um, but he's an offensive genius, man, and I'm excited to see what he can do with a quarterback like Jalen Moreau, who has some of the best tools in college football. Uh, if he can have the same amount of success with Monroe as he did with Michael Penix Jr. in developing him, uh, a Heisman Trophy could definitely be in the cards for for Jalen Monroe uh, in 2024. Uh, as for the other ones, I, I love the hire, again, of Texas A&M going out and getting Mike Elko. Uh, the big thing with A&M has not been talent. You know, they've had the talented team. In fact, just going off recruiting and how they were recruiting coming out of high school, Texas A&M had a top five team in the country this past season, according to 24-7's uh, team talent composite rating. So they should have been like a playoff contender with the talent they had. The only problem was is that the discipline just wasn't there, and I think that was the big problem with them. And that's something that Duke really has excelled at. Duke is not a school that recruits at a high level, uh, but yet Mike Elko was winning, uh, turned that program around immediately and was winning like eight, nine games with the talent he had. So um, I, I think that would be great there at A&M. Again, like DeBoer, 
you got to recruit again at a high level, which he, I think he can do uh, at a place like Texas A&M, but he's familiar with it. He was uh, Jimbo Fisher's defensive coordinator for a few years. Um, so he's familiar with uh, Texas A&M and I love the hire. I'm excited to see what he can do. And then finally, Jeff Levy, uh, he was one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. In my opinion, honestly, Oklahoma had like a top five offense uh, in the country, even though you look at that Oklahoma offense, there really weren't too many like future NFL stars. I know they had Tyler Guyton's going to be a first round pick probably, but other than that, they really didn't have too much. Uh, and Mississippi State's a school that really kind of lost its way after the unfortunate passing of Mike Leach, where they're kind of, you know, trying to become more of a defensive school. Just never really worked out. And the offense was terrible this past year. Now you get a guy like Jeff Levy, who, again, I really, really think is one of the brightest offensive minds in the sport. That should turn around uh, Mississippi State, and they should be a lot better offensively. So, honestly, all three of them, I, I was big fans of all three of those hires uh, in the SEC this year. Max, is there a player in the SEC that the numbers favor that people aren't talking about, people are maybe, say, sleeping on uh, coming in the 2024 season? Like, is there a guy in the SEC that you will not be surprised if and when he becomes a star, the numbers point to that, maybe in limited action or just, you know, again, a guy that's underappreciated that you will not be surprised at all when he breaks out on the scene and you're going to kind of see it coming, if you will, based off what numbers are telling you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, obviously, not a lot of people like to uh, talk about um, offensive line. I think Parker Brailsford is going to be my top offensive lineman, uh, interior offensive lineman, excuse me. Uh, he transfers in from Washington to center. Uh, Alabama, is, listen, Alabama's interior offensive line is disgusting. I actually, in my top 10 interior offensive linemen, all three of Alabama's interior offensive linemen are in my top seven in the country. Uh, so they're going to have a disgusting interior offensive line. Uh, going to the other side of the ball, though, one guy who I was watching his tape, he's actually transferring in to uh, to an SEC school. So we didn't play SEC last year, but Nick Scourton, the edge defender from Purdue, uh, I think he's a superstar, man. He's he's transferring in to Texas A&M, so big get for Mike Elko. Uh, that is a he's a stud, and I think he could be a first round pick, honestly, uh, in twenty twenty five. I think right now I have him like number three in my edge defender rankings. He's a really really good player. So Nick Scourton, remember that name for next year because he is a a little bit of a bigger edge defender, but he can move really well. Uh, A and M lost a lot of guys to the portal this offseason. But one superstar that they did get was Nick Scarrickson. So I think he's a guy that uh, should have a lot of people excited about next year uh, at Texas A&M. So, yes, yeah, him and then Prince Leumann Mielin, I think, is a little underrated, too. The former Florida edge who's now at Ole Miss. Uh, he was one of the best pass rushers in college football this past season. Should be the same way for Ole Miss this year. Uh, yeah, those are two guys on the at the edge position, at least, that I think are still getting underrated and I still think could be really like superstar players probably in college football next year. Max, final thing, and we'll get you out of here. Thoughts on where we are in college football right now with Transfer Portal, NIL, and also thoughts on the fact that we're already having chatter going from a 12-team college football playoff to even expanding further, and we haven't even played a single game in the 12-team format. Uh, dude, I know. It's crazy. I, the fact that we're even talking about 14 now, but I think the reason why they're talking about 14 is because of the SEC and because of the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten and SEC want more automatic bids they don't want to be treated like the acc and, and big 12 um because they they know hey we have 17 teams now or 18 teams or whatever um and, and we're gonna need more like we're gonna need more because we have the, we're by far the best conferences so they're gonna want like four automatic bids so that's why i think they're discussing expanding because um i know there's been rumors of the sec and big 10 
breaking away from the college football playoff and kind of doing their own thing. I don't know how real that is. I don't know how true uh, or how close they are to doing that, but I'm sure the college football playoff committee uh, cannot afford that. So they want to, you know, appease the SEC and Big Ten. So that's why I think it might happen. I don't know if I'm a fan of it, honestly. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned the uh, NIL transfer portal has made college football absolutely insane right now. I, I truly think it's never been more difficult to be a college football coach than it is right now, which is why I think you're seeing a lot of guys go to the NFL. And also you're seeing more college football head coaches take coordinator roles. Like Chip Kelly, the UCLA head coach, willingly left UCLA to become Ohio State's offensive coordinator because I think he just wants to call plays. He's like, I don't know if I, I don't know if he wanted to deal with all the NIL stuff, all the transfer portal stuff, and that's a big reason why Nick Saban retired uh, too, is because of all the stuff going on in college football right now. So um, it, it's definitely going in a weird way, in a way that we've never really seen before. Um, I don't think NIL should be getting rid of. Don't get me wrong, but I do think some measures need to be put in place because this is kind of the wild, wild west right now in terms of transfer portal, in terms of NIL. Uh, it, it's got to be more it's got to be tamed a little bit so yeah it's, it's definitely a wild time to be a, a college football fan right now but hopefully they figure out some stuff in the near future to kind of cool it off uh, a little bit max chadwick he's a college football analyst for pro football focus host of preferred walk on a great college football podcast max appreciate you taking the time my friend keep up the great work and let's definitely do this again soon of course thanks so much chris